This episode of Two Girls, One Pup was brought to you by listeners like you who support independent artists and by people who love puppies. Pups and dogs. Dogs. Male camp. Dogs. Puppies. Ooh. It's time for a pupcast. La 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 la. your host, Monique Madrid. This here is Comet. Today we're going to talk with Bob Weatherwax. He's a legendary dog trainer. But first, let's grab those leashes, grab a poop bag because we're not jerks, and let's head out for a walk where we can meet some of the dogs in our neighborhood. like hang out at the park together all the time or you just met? <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally, it just, yeah, it's just, sort of an organic happening. Uh, who's this by the way? That's What's your name by the way? George. George? Where did you get the name Mika? Mika Yellow. Oh no. Like Michelle. Just because you were like, this is a really sophisticated dog who should have a sophisticated dog name. I like it. <laughs> Which one is your dog? He's under the table. That's Buster. Buster! Oh, Buster's a big boy. Buster's a big boy. How long have you had Buster? I've had Buster for about, easy buddy, for about three years. Where'd you get Buster? Buster was um, abandoned in Griffith Park. Aww. And my neighbor brought him to me. And we tried to find his owners and couldn't. And I didn't have the heart to go take him to the dog pound. Yeah. And you, he turned out to be the best dog I've ever had. Do you feel like he had, do you like make up stories of what his life was like before he found you? Uh, no, but that's such a great idea. <laughs> yeah, that. like maybe he had this whole like. He stowed away on a Serbian airplane, ended up in the Philippines, but he was chipped. The problem was the chip was a Russian chip and defected because it was made in China. Mm, sure. Yeah. They don't, they don't produce anything good. <laughs> <laughs> Then, <laughs> what's the weirdest thing that Buster does, the or weird, that you do for Buster? The weirdest thing that I do for Buster, I bite him. You bite him? I bite him. Where do you bite him? I bite him on his cheek. I bite him on his jowls. Is it just because you're like, oh, I want to eat you? That's exactly it. Yep. <laughs> I don't hurt him. I don't bite him hard. You're not um, confessing to abusing your dog not right now. No, not me, buddy. <laughs> but I bite him and he licks me. Aww, Buster. Hi, he's a pit, right? He's a pit boxer. Oh god, he's so cute. He's a sweet. If this park was school, what click would your dog fit in? Uh, I feel like my dog would be in the nerdy click because he's kind of a loner and doesn't quite know how to fit in. Yeah, I don't know what the click would uh, to call it because it would have to be the happy click. Oh, just always, yeah. always on. They're always happy. Yeah. So they're the popular click. I get well, popular is not always happy, but that's very true. Know, it's just the the stress free. Life is great. The stoners. Okay. All right. (laughs) When I first decided to do the Pupcast, one thing I was really excited about is, yeah, let's talk to comedians. That's great. But I wanted to talk to just, you know, other cool dog people. Anyways, one of the people I thought would be cool are people like... 
you know, dog trainers and famous dog owners and, you know, Lassie's original trainer, that sort of thing. So I did some Googling and found that Mr. Bob Weatherwax is the son of Rudd Weatherwax, who was the original owner and trainer of Lassie. Bob was born exactly one year to the date of Pal being born. Pal, who actually uh, is the original Lassie and was in seven of the Lassie movies. And so I thought, you know, hey, why not just ask? Never hurts to. So sent the guy an email. He instantly replied, said yes, said he would be happy to do the interview. And so, yeah, I'm going to be talking to Lassie's original dog trainer. That's pretty awesome. Oh, but first, here's a clip from an episode of Lassie. Ruff, ruff. What's that, Lassie? Something happened to Timmy? He's injured? Great, we'll follow you and you'll take us directly to him. Thanks, girl. Okay, I wasn't able to get the rights to Lassie. But that's basically what happened. He was a really pretty Sheltie dog, she was, who saved a little boy named Timmy a lot, often in wells. That's mostly what I remember. It's a really cool famous dog who made dogs in the movies something cool. <laughs> uh, all right, here's my interview with Bob Weatherwax. Hello. Hi, is this Bob? Yes, it is. Hi, Bob. This is Monique from Two Girls, One Pup. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm great. I am so excited to talk to you, um, and thank you ahead of time for saying yes to doing the podcast. All right. <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't want to think anybody would be excited to talk to me, but it's okay. Oh, are you kidding me? I think your life seems so fascinating, and you have a really good last name. Did people tell you that? Uh, no, I used to be kidding a lot about that name, actually. Oh, you did? Caused me a lot of fist fights in school. What? <laughs> did you win them? Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I was raised tough with the dogs and everything. So. Oh, that's that's a good point. <laughs> um, well, cool. If for some reason you get to the point that you're running out of time or you need to go, let me know. But we're just going to... My dogs let me know. It's when they feel like they need me to get their dinner ready, then they'll <laughs> let me know. But it's not dinner time yet, so... All right, done, done. Well, uh, Bob, Bob Weatherwax best name, I think. Uh, you are the son of uh, Rudd Weatherwax, who was the original owner and trainer of Pal, who is the dog that played Lassie, the original Lassie, right? Yes, 1943. That's a, so what was your childhood like then uh, in relation to the dog we, stuff? Yeah. Well, we had a lot of dogs. I mean, we Lassie lived in a house, but my father furnished dogs to motion pictures. Uh, just Lassie wasn't the only thing. And so I grew up with about 40 dogs. And, oh, my uh, you know, yeah, well, we lived in, in, a, in properties that we didn't have neighbors because you really couldn't in any of that situation. So they were more or less until I went to school. They were less my brothers. And, uh, <laughs> were you were you an only child? Uh, no, I had a sister. Okay. But she, I was the youngest, so I was more, more to, you'd find with the dogs down in the kennel. So you said that you're, wait, so when you're, your dad would like lend dogs to the studios? Is that how it worked? That was kind of his job? No. Well, many, my father did many movies. You know, that's how he got Lassie come home. Uh, he, he was a major trainer for motion picture dogs, he and his brothers. And, uh, and uh, he'd done Ast, uh, Daisy, uh, all, all, a lot of work. Bad the Basker, um, Bad Basker, um, Hounds of Baskerville. And uh, he had a good reputation. So then when they went to do Lassie come home, it was a B movie in black and white. MGM, uh, they hired two, uh, uh, two colleagues with some people, and they were having a lot of problems. It just wasn't happening. And 
So they knew of my father's reputation, and they hired him to come in and uh, take over to see if he could fix the, the movie with his dog, Pal. Wow. What was Pal originally going to do? Like, why did he have Pal in the first place, just to... Oh, uh, well, he acquired Pal off of the kennel rental. Pal was a crazy collie that chased motorcycles, so this, a friend of his came to him and says, look, uh, they paid me to break this dog to chasing motorcycles, and he says, but I can't. He says, you think you could? So my father gave it a shot, but he couldn't either, so... Uh, the guy came to him and he owed Dad ten dollars. He said, "In lieu of the ten dollars, the guy would like you to keep the dog." He said, "His house is more peaceful without him." So Dad had this quality now, but they didn't really get jobs. So he farmed him out to a friend of his. But when the MGM people called, he he had he got the collie. Wow! And, so uh, he is that like a secret? A lot of people don't know that Lassie was a motorcycle trainer or chaser. Oh uh, no, they know it. They know oh. it. He was. He was, just, he was just lucky to have that collie. So I want to know, what are some good, um, like, tell us some secrets that nobody knows, like some scandalous secrets about Lassie or about Pal. Well, this, uh, this guy, this guy basically had nine, you know, uh, possession is nine tenths of the law, and he had this dog for quite some time, for maybe a, a year, and the dog was in kind of bad shape. We let him run in this pasture. And when he got the dog, my father realized this movie, you know, it could be very successful. Um <laughs> He didn't want to have a dog that somebody else had claimed to. So my mother got him over the house and invited him for dinner and, and got him a little drunk. And uh, and then she uh, said, you know, we owe you money for that dog. You have been feeding that dog, so it's only right we write you a check for the food. And uh, so she wrote him a check for $150. And in a small print on the back, she put, for the for the collie pal paid in full. And then she sweats. She sweats. She says every day she went to see if that canceled check would come in. Wow! <laughs> and finally, that canceled check came in, and you know the owner star dog, but but he's not yours. Somebody else has him, but uh, it was okay because he never did really come back and try to get the dog back or anything. So oh, that could have been a lot of trouble, though, huh? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that could have been court, but that check would have probably held up when he cashed it. He just didn't see on the back what she'd written. So. <laughs> All yeah, right, so we have your mom to the, thank. After the trick in the business is alive. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first or the last time in Hollywood that somebody snuck something in like that, I'm sure. Yeah, it's been done plenty, but it's still done today. So was Lassie <laughs> the first famous dog? Uh, well, he had other dogs that did reach a certain height to fame. Plus his brother, Jack, uh, trained Toto for The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. His, yeah, his other brother, Frank, trained old Yeller. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I guess those were, that was yeah, a dumb question I asked. kind of a, what you call a motion picture uh, family of training animals. You know, my father was raised in New Mexico on a ranch, and his father was a practical trainer for his dog. So his colleague would, would, would uh, herd the Angora um, goats, and, and they trained horses and all that. So it was more of a training family of animals. Who do you think was the best dog between... Um Toto, Lassie, and Old Yeller. Well, you know, it's it's a, Lassie's been considered the greatest star because in the almanac it says Rudd Weller actually trained the greatest star animal of all time, and then he has a star on the sidewalk and and his footprints at, at uh, Grumman's Chinese. And I mean, all the other accolades that he's had throughout his years, and he's so I'd have to say, according to the to the almanac, he's top dog or top <laughs> animal. Period. So, which but was the, the other one? Which was the coolest behind the scenes, though? Like, who was like, this dog's the most cuddly? I, I have to look at Toto. My uncle never thought he was that successful because he, he wanted to, to do a, a thing with a white shepherd. It never happened. But in, in reality, <laughs> in retrospect, they play Wizard of Oz every year. So, you know, and Lassie had his, his run 
and his runs kind of come to an end. But Toto goes on. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, so did you feel like you had to be an animal trainer? If you had wanted to be something else, it wouldn't have been as accepted? Yeah, life happens to where you're making other plans. Uh, no, I, I, I got in the Army. After high school, I went in the Army because I really needed to. I've taken care of all those dogs throughout my teen life, you know, and 40 dogs. I maintained them every day, seven days a week. So I really needed a break from that. And then the Army found who I was, and they wanted to be a canine trainer. And I says, no, no, no. I I want a break on that one. When I got out, I was actually going to be a police officer, but uh, I didn't weigh enough. And while waiting, my father needed uh, he needed somebody to help on the show. And uh, he had another trainer that was his head trainer, his first assistant. He made me third assistant, and uh, I thought it was temporary. And, you know, 47 years later. <laughs> Are you still training dogs? Uh, well, I have my colleague here. I train him, but not for money anymore. I'm retired that way. He's just here for, uh, he's my cat, and he does what I need him to do. Aww. Um, so I know that Pal played, well, f- two questions. So Pal is a, is a male dog, right? Yes, because Pal was a male, and it didn't, it didn't show, uh, it, you know, with a collie, you can't really tell whether it's a male or female. And we found out that, you know, the female shed to a point where if you're making a movie for a, a length of time, you might look like you're using two different dogs. Really? Because they'll go, yeah, they'll go out of coat so badly that they won't look the same. Well, the male didn't do that to that extent. And so dad decided, well, being that you can't see the sex, we'll just go with the male. So he went with the male. Did you ever, though, were you ever on set and they were like, cut, cut, we could see his junk. We got to get Oh, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least that little song. I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> Or all of a sudden, Lassie lifts his leg on Timmy, and you're like, wait, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, you know, we never kept it a secret. Uh, we, we let the public know that he was, a, as, as I read in the magazine, he was the first female impersonator. That's very progressive of you guys in, in the... Uh... It made for a good story. A male dog. Absolutely. A female dog, you know? So I read, um, I watched the Lassie Hollywood retrospective that's on your website. Yes. Um, I thought it was really interesting. You were talking about how Lassie's markings are not what a normal collie owner would want for their dog. And so. No, it's, it's, the AKC doesn't really care for that. They call it genetic imperfection. It just happens to be that my father got one with that blaze. It's called a blaze. It's a white blaze. And uh, the markings really photograph. For, for Maybe for the show people, they like it the other way. But for Hollywood, it was really a nice, a nice little added touch. So did that make it hard to find pals or oh, 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 oh. Yes. Number one, you're looking for a male collie. Right. So you breed. Sometimes we bred up to five or six litters. You're looking for a male collie. And usually the females, if you do get into those white blazes, the females are the ones that usually carry them. But we needed a male. So between getting the male, getting a mark cross, uh, it was like looking for needles and haystacks, yeah. you know. It was, we found homes for the other puppies. So, but, yeah, I was uh, going to say, how do you do that and do it ethically? You just make sure that the other dogs Oh, are... well, we'd make sure that they were suitable homes. They had to have yards. They had to be fenced. They had to re- reach all of our expectations of what we needed them to have. And uh, once they did that, well, we gave them a call, and that was it. So and, what uh, about... Okay, so you have a couple ways you could do it. If you looked for... If you didn't breed them, would you just hold auditions? Uh, no, we wouldn't want to do that because... You couldn't, you couldn't get collies. There's no way to do that. You really had to breed. We had to keep that white factor in there. Now when I breed, I almost always get a blaze collie. But the AKC was breeding that out. They did not want that. Uh-huh. So therefore, we couldn't go out and get collies with blazes on them. Nobody wanted them. Nobody bred for them. 
So you just had to go, well, this dog's going to be around for X amount of years, so we're going to get a puppy and hopefully... Well, that's what we do. We, we, You know, you train them for two years and they become lassie. At least that's what we're doing on the TV show. And uh, they've become lassie at the age of two. They're, by then, they're, they're mature physically and uh, they're trained. And uh, then we'd get maybe six years of work from that dog. And then at uh, his sixth year, we'd start to breed again. And they, love, they get... love it, right? To them, it's play. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, Sometimes when we'd retire one, uh, he would whine at the gate. When we put the new one, his successor in the car, he would whine. And my father said, let's take him anyway. So once in a while, we'd take one of the old ones once once a week Aww. just to take him out there. Use him for standing or something. Make, make him think they're still participating. Sure. It's hard getting old in Hollywood. They don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but dogs like attention. Everybody says, oh, you had to work your dog, our dog. You, we don't work our dog, you know. Well, yes, your dog stays home in a yard. Maybe somebody feeds him and sees him that night. Our dog's petted by everybody. He gets all the attention right. in the world. He's he's on a set with, with 50 people, you know. <laughs> so over from the very first Lassie from Pal until, what was it, 1994 was the last Lassie movie? Is that right? Uh, the last one I did was 94. They went on and got their own dog, their corporate dog, and did another one in 2005. It, it didn't fare as well. Yeah, I bet it. Does it look all sponsored by mcdonald's yeah well you know it's a my father was i don't think without i actually think in my in my heart because i'm a, i was pretty well i'm in the hall of fame dog trainers too along with him but um i feel that without my father they wouldn't have been lassie i mean they'd have made a movie and it'd have been so so but i think he brought that dog to life with his technique of creating a dog that actually interacts and acts with people and and looks absolutely believable all the way trained to do all those different different things you don't know what's happening it, it's just he's natural and he, that was his, his gift that was his skill that was way beyond anybody else's that took him to a point where uh, he uh he, he I, like i say i don't think they've ever gone beyond one movie if it wasn't for my father hmm. well I, I i in watching that video i know it said that he didn't believe that you should his philosophy wasn't to train dogs to do tricks but that they should look natural so do you kind of have that same uh theory when it comes to dog training well, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, the dog doesn't interact. Most of them don't, you know. Uh, Lassie looked absolutely believable and he, and he interacted with, with the, with the actor or with Lizzie Taylor or whoever. And my father created the whole situation how that dog acts. The director, script will read, uh, Lizzie Taylor has the measles. She's sick in bed. Lassie comes in, uh, goes up to the bed and sees her. Well, you know, the director, if you do that, that's fine because he doesn't know what you can do with the dog anyway. So most trainers, that's what they'll do, but not my father. He, he studied actors, timing, and what he'd do is he'd bring the dog in real happy, and then the dog would see that she was in bed. So he'd make him stop, start with his tail wagging, absolutely go still, change his whole mood, and then slowly walk to the bed, and then put his head on on the side of the bed, and then she'd say, it's okay, Lassie. <laughs> then he'd be happier, and he'd put his head further up on her and kiss her. And my father would design that scene, and that was the way he did it. And, and people don't do that. They just don't know how. Yeah. If you lined up all of the lassies from uh, the first one to two thousand and or to nineteen ninety four, can you tell them all apart? Uh, yeah, well, I can, but most people can't. And what we would do is we'd never change. If we were going to retire one, we would never uh, do it in the middle of the year. We would wait until hiatus, and then we would replace that dog by the time four months went by or so on and so forth on the hiatus. When you went back, people didn't catch it too much, and as long as he performed equally. Yeah. And was as believable, it worked. Well, I don't think anyone's going to fault you for a dog not living forever. 
you know, my father kept that. He never ever went into that either because people don't want it. They know no dog can, can live for 60 some years, but they don't want to hear about it. No. So he never ever went into a thing about Lassie passed away when the original dog passed away. He never made it a big publicity uh, issue or anything like that because he knew it was negative. Did you? I mean, a... the guy was kind of Tom Parker, but Parker was the president. My father was the last. He not he created Doc's image. He 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 managed him in, in a way that he knew that that's how the public wanted it. And he all of that. I mean, what he did with that dog was just incredible. It's his life. Uh-huh. So you're part of the the Hall of Fame for dog trainers. Um, do you guys? What is that like? Is there a ceremony? Do you guys? Get oh together? yeah, they have a big ceremony and all that stuff, and they put your name. It's there. Uh, and, but you know, I. I tell you, I had so many of these things. It's in, it's in Dallas. I had so many of these things I never showed up for. I was doing something else, and I was busy. Oh, so you I, I, they wanted me there to go take the induction for my father, my uncles, and myself. And I never, I just never did it. I, Do you get I like a think. plaque or some kind of fancy ring like the Well, Super a plaque, Bowl? and also there's, you know, they have it all listed, names listed, and, and this and that, and the other things. But, you know, Lassie's received so many accolades. We've received so much stuff. It's pretty, you know, and what they want is to get you there. So they can draw in a lot of people. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and and sometimes you just, I just couldn't do it. I had something else I was doing at that time, so I skipped it. And uh, but you know, I doesn't matter. Everything's. I read today. Oogie, I guess Oogie the dog passed away. I read that. Yeah, and then I read today that he was the only, uh, he's the only dog to ever have his first dog to ever have his footprints outside of Grumman's Chinese, which is now called a Chinese man. But Lassie had him in 1948 uh, or 49, and it was called the Grumman's Chinese at that time. But see, that article wasn't correct. I just had his there. Uh, it was a little before he got a star on the sidewalk. See? Okay, we're going to point that out. We just have breaking news here. Well, <laughs> he should, news, No, but... Lassie should get the, the, uh, the accolades that she deserves. Well, well, there's been so many. I mean, you know, t- t- uh, five Emmy nominations, two Emmys won. I don't know, eight or nine Peabody Awards, you know, for wholesomeness in, in television. And so the dog, you know, we don't worry about it anymore. Sure. Well, now you've worked on a... Bu- oh, sorry. My other question is, is the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame plaque bone-shaped? Is the plaque... You know, I don't know. I, I never even went there, so I don't even have the Oh, you don't, you don't have it at home. They just okay. informed me. It was in Dallas. They wanted me to show up. They wanted to tell me they're going to duck me. Okay. They want to induct my father and everybody, but I imagine they have one. But I, I just wanted it to be shaped like a bone. That's all. Yeah, well, it's there. We have another... There's a, a few of these Hall of Fame things. One of them for dogs. That one's... I forget where that state that's at. I couldn't make that one either because I was too busy um, doing a, another show with last at that time. And my wife at that time went there, so I, I didn't. I didn't visit that one. If you're too busy working the dogs, ever go around and worry about too much of that. <laughs> right. Well, you're doing it because you obviously love it and are good at it. And um, I was. I, I. You have done way more shows than this, but the ones I was particularly impressed with. You worked um, with dogs on Back to the Future series, on the David Copperfield specials, which I don't remember a dog in that. Yeah, it was a little Maltese. I did three of those with David. Was uh, <laughs> what about uh, Harry and the Hendersons, which is one of my all-time favorite movies? Oh, I did Harry movies. and the Hendersons. I did Big Jake with John Wayne. My father did Honda with John Wayne. Sometimes we repeated in the same patterns, and uh, you know, I mean, it's a huge body of work. And my well, and life life goes on, and married with children, the yeah, Poltergeist you know. too, Roseanne, who's the boss? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a living, you know. <laughs> which one is which one's your favorite show that you worked on? Uh, uh, with or without Lassie, with other, uh, let's say without Lassie, I mean, without I've had Lassie. a lot of fun shows. Uh, I think one of the, 
Nickelodeon was fun to do just because of the crew and the people. And uh, I also had a good moment John Travolta called Moment by Moment. And it didn't do well because that's what it was like, moment by moment. <laughs> but I really enjoyed yeah, it wasn't too good. But I, I, I enjoyed doing it because the people were nice. You know, Hollywood's a tough place. And sometimes if you just, it's a, a movie, what makes it not the success of the movie, but that you had a good time and people were nice to work with. Yeah. It, it could be a rough business. I know you're in entertainment yourself. So you understand there's a lot of demands. And sometimes they're not as gracious to be around those people at times. And you're right. It is the, yeah, you're right. It is the people that you work with and the craft services. They have good food on set. Yes. That's a big... So how do you make sure to keep the dog safe? Because I've recently learned about the whole Milo and Otis debacle, which I didn't know about. And, you know, I, like there was a scene in the retrospective that showed Lassie, and they talked about how Pal was scared of water, and they show her swimming what looks to be really treacherous waters. So how do you... Is there someone on hand, or what do you do to make sure that they're safe? Well, when he went up the ladder? Well, yeah. we make sure... Yeah, well, I taught him to do it one day in 20 minutes. I had to on a, on a show at Universal, but uh, we're there. You know, he, nothing's going to happen to him. He's he, he's he, we, we try to stay close on a shot like that. Okay. You don't want to work that from great distances. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, sometimes we worked with wild animals, you know, on the set, and sometimes they weren't completely under control. Now that's when we worried because my father would tell me if that animal gets loose, it looks sideways. If anything goes wrong. I want you to get that dog and get out of here as quickly as possible. Oh, no. And that was, I was kind of a safety net for that. You know, I was younger and could move quicker. Sure. And I was the one that usually went up on the ladders. And wherever a dangerous situation was, I was the one that went up there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't As long as the dog is safe, it's okay if a little boy is in harm's way. Just save the dog. Yeah, save the dog. <laughs> well, I was a little boy. I was in my 20s. But, oh, okay. But, you know, I remember, I remember one day he says, uh, we're at the Grand Canyon shooting, and it's foggy. You can't see anything down there. And, and uh, he tells me, he says, well, here's the thing. It's one of these mule trails or something. It's about a foot and a half wide. He says, take the dog down there, and then you're supposed to release him because we have a shot where they see him come up from the Grand Canyon, and you see him come on up from down below and come over this little peak. And so I got down there, no problem, walked down, let him go. And uh, all of a sudden, that fog moved, and I realized I was a thousand some odd feet there. I crawled back up Oh, trail. no. <laughs> I said, oh, my God. So I was always getting that type of. When we did the great adventure, Lassie's up in the balloon and the tree. Um, I'm the guy up there with him, you know. So. Well, no wonder you liked your job, though. That sounds fun. Well, yeah, because when you're young, it's all good. Yeah. Do you feel like any dog can be trained to be a movie or TV dog? Or do you think like think a dog so. has Some, to be, they don't have to be born yeah, a absolutely, star? Absolutely, because if you can train a colleague, you can train any dog to do it. Because they're really wired differently for what you want out of a movie dog. They're, they're trained. They're very smart. That's not the point. But the point is, is that they're, they're designed or, or bred to sit with a sheep herder up on a hill, watch sheep, be suspicious of anything behind them or anything anywhere. And now you want to take them on a set and make them this outgoing run 1010. And it's really not in their DNA. So a lot of that is when we, we bred them, we would, as soon as they were little tiny puppies, we'd start to condition them, take them places, do this, do that, take them and try to get them over what is natural suspicion for them. Because on a set, that's the last thing we want is a suspicious dog. Right. It's just... What so, and plus by breeding them through years and years with temperament that we wanted and so on, uh, they, they became different. I mean, I have this person I have, she has my brother and my dog. So this dog's your colleagues. They've had colleagues. They're not like other colleagues. So they're way outgoing. So I think that's genetics. You know, that's just breeding for so long. 
Wow. Yeah, and, I guess that makes sense. We can we can do that because of science. Um, yeah. What about the the adage of you can't tre- teach an old dog new tricks? Is that true? Uh, I'll tell you another funny one. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, early TV man, they got away with stuff. <laughs> so this is a show called Art Baker U.S. Work, and uh, people would request to see something or somebody do something incredible, and uh, and Art Baker would would meet their request, and they want to see a guy in a tank for I don't know how long, and another guy doing push-ups over two thousand push-ups, and it's communication old dog new tricks. So my father had done a movie called Bob's on the Battle, where he had this old retired half Australian shepherd that he did the, did the show with, and uh, the dog couldn't hear, but he was well-trained. So, so we're getting Red Weatherwax in, Hollywood's great dog trainer, and he's going to be the person that answers this question. So he brings the dog in, and the dog can't hear anything. He's, he's completely, totally deaf, and Dad tells him, sit, lie down, dog does nothing. He says, now, everybody, you see this? This dog does nothing. Run for him back in two weeks, and we'll see if you can teach an old dog new tricks. Well, he brings him back in two weeks, and he cues him with his hands. And the dog sits, he lies down. Oh. You know, that, this stuff, the FCC doesn't go for this anymore. You can't. But the, the guy that was supposed to do the push-ups, he'd be smoking a cigarette. They'd, they'd cue him. Uh, that's okay. We're not on you now. So he smokes <laughs> cigarette. And bring him back, and he's doing his push-ups. I forget what the guy in the water tank was all about. Wait, are you telling me that the TV isn't real? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, in those days, too, in particular, they've toughened up a little bit on it now. But in those days... You got away with everything. I bet. Wow. I read that, or I've heard how sometimes when dogs are being trained for a TV or a movie, that um, they have to go live with the trainer. So if I wanted my dog to be on a TV show or to be in a movie, would he have to go live with the trainer? Yeah, he'd have to. And although I'll tell you, you'll never get that happen because any trainer that invests and does a movie and so on and so forth, he's not going to get into that situation with you because my father used to do. Uh, where he'd, he'd get a dog from somebody because it was a specialty breed that he uh, he didn't have, and he just wanted it for, you know, a four-week movie or something like that. And if you didn't, uh, it was all of a sudden they feel that you're making a million dollars. I've encountered it during commercials, and you go to pick up the dog, and they won't give it to you. They said, we want more money. Oh. Yeah, so that we really stayed away from uh, getting other using other people's dogs. The dogs we had, all most of ours were much came out of the pound. We owned them, we trained them. But we didn't like to get into too much of that rental stuff because uh, it can really jump up and bite you. Yeah. Oh, see? Look at that dog pun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob. So we're going to do um, a final game that we like to play called Off the Leash. So you're going to have to answer these questions without thinking too hard about it, okay? Right. Are you ready? All right. Yes. Question one. What is your favorite dog breed and why? Uh, well... You know, mutts, I tell you, I really like mutts a lot, uh, mixed breeds, because they're smart. They're really smart. Some of my most successful, Dog and Back to the Future, not in that movie, but in other movies, that uh, dog was a genius. He was a genius dog. Wow. And, uh, All right. Yeah. I like, I, that was a surprise answer for me. I like that one. All right. What's the most annoying thing you have to deal with as a dog trainer? Uh People ask me, uh, question me all the time, you know, all the director, well, why do you have to do this? And why do you have to do that? I, I don't have time to explain to you. Just let me do my job. Mm. Uh, that's the way the picture business is, you know. Because yeah. anybody else, they probably won't ask an actor that. But with the car, with the dog, they're questioning everything you do. And I just say, just, just let me do it, you know. You don't, you don't ever yell at people on set, do you? You don't seem like someone. No, I don't yell. yell at people, but I have had disagreements with directors when 
they're trying to tell me how to do a shot, and I said, it won't work that way. Yeah, you know. And I have to do it this way. Well, we don't understand. Well, I can't sit there. I'm not asking you how to direct. And when I do it my way, it always works because it, they don't understand certain things you have to do, and it doesn't make sense to them as, as, as the way I rehearse a dog and the way the actor's going to rehearse. It's a different rehearsal. Ah, good point. Okay, so you cannot say the Lassie movies. So we're going to take the Lassie movies off the table. But other than that, what is your favorite dog movie? Uh, that I participated that I've seen. Uh, any. No, just in general. Uh, that, every, uh, that I did. It doesn't uh, have to be I, one you did. Well, the first movie I ever did, and it, just because it was unique and uh, that it was my first time as a solo trainer on a very big movie was Big Jake. Oh. I don't think Lane. I've seen Big Jake. Yeah, they played on uh, on uh, Turner Classics a lot. Okay. I will now watch it, and I'll think of you fondly when I watch it. Um, okay, our final question. If you could train a dog to do anything in the world, even if it's not actually possible, what would it be? Rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> oh, I, Bob, I think it was a Doberman gang. <laughs> sure. I feel like it would have to be a Doberman gang. You're totally right. <laughs> it, couldn't be a, it couldn't be like a pug because then everyone would be like, you're so adorable. I don't think that would work. Too much attention. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, Bob, thank you so much for doing, for talking to me. And uh, this was really wonderful. I really appreciate it. Okay. It was fun. It was a fun thing. And I hope you do well with this. Thank you. Well, there you go. That's Bob Weatherwax. What a such a nice guy I had no idea if he would be cool if he would be funny uh, if he'd be interesting and he was all that and more so if you want to find out more about him you can check out weatherwaxtraineddogs.com there are some really cool photos of Lassie of other dogs there's a whole legacy video on Lassie which I did not get their rights to um, and just some cool information about him that uh, you might find interesting. So I never got an answer from Bob Weatherwax on what this whole dog Hollywood Dog Walker Hall of Fame is, if it's a, a bone-shaped plaque. Like, there's so many questions I have about it, uh, and I have to go at some point. Although it's not the dogs, it's just the trainers. That might be boring just to watch a, see a bunch of people standing they're holding leashes. So I asked our two girls, one pup resident Googler, Mr. Corey Rittmaster, uh, to Google and find out a little bit more about the Hollywood Dog Trainer Hall, Hall of, of Fame. Fame. That's so hard Hollywood to say. Hollywood Dog Trainer Hall of Fame. It's hard to say. Okay. Um, well, I, I, nothing comes up under that. Oh. Well, this has been another episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was nothing under Hollywood Dog Trainers Hall of Fame. It did kind of direct me to the International Association of Canine Professionals, the IACP Ooh. Hall of Fame. Uh, and the Weatherwax family is in, in there. They are listed in there under their International Hall of Fame. They also have a Members Hall of Fame, which I think is probably just more like, uh, the, you know, these people paid higher dues or something. <laughs> yeah, what but, does Members mean? I don't know. They but do the get a jacket, though. Probably. But only them. But the uh, International Hall of Fame had some other like famous dog training uh, personnel listed in there. And that part, at least from the looks of the website, that part looked more prestigious. Okay. Uh, something I did find out from reading that aspect about the, the Weatherwax family in there, though, is that 
obviously you talked about how his dad was a trainer, Rudd. Rudd. He's the trainer, the original so one. So were Rudd's brothers. Did he talk about his uncles? Did he I don't He did d- talk about one of his, oh, maybe. His uncle Frank apparently worked with old Yeller and his uncle Jack was the one who trained Toto. Uh, or as Bob says it, Toto. Toto. Pronounces it Toto. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, there was no, but nothing under Hollywood Dog Trainers Hall of Fame, which is weird. But then that started us thinking about the Hollywood Walk of Fame, right? Uh, which we also talked about because Lassie has a star on the Walk of Fame. Yes. Can I also quickly say mm-hmm. I could have totally, as I do, mumbled up the name I gave you and sent you down a rabbit hole I shouldn't have. I'm sure when I listen back, <laughs> the correct answer is what say, he said. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, but great, it took us down this fun path. So there you go. Uh, interesting uh, deal with the Hollywood Walk of Fame. There are three dogs um, that have stars. Can I guess? You get, got one of them. Lassie. Uh-huh. I'm going to guess Toto. No. What? I know, right? Benji. Toto is the one of the main ones they talk about should be the next in line uh, the next time a dog yeah. gets a star. How about Benji? Nope. <sighs> Old Yeller? No. Old Yeller's a, grave. Old Yeller was a character, though. So is Lassie. Oh, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, because it's Pal as Lassie's. And then there were seven of them. Interesting. You're right. But Old Yeller was one film. Lassie, there's a whole series. Well, yeah, because otherwise it'd be a ghost. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> the ghost of Old Yeller so comes out got, this, this this October. <laughs> you've got one. I don't. Lassie. Rin Tin Tin. Oh, never saw those movies. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, do you have you even seen Rin Tin Tin? Nope. What kind of dog is Rin Tin Tin? I'm a youngster. Do you have any idea? An old scruffy thing that goes along in the trash and like makes a ruckus? Not at all. Oh. He was a proud, uh, a very regal-looking German <gasps> shepherd. He was actually rescued from a World War One battlefield and started out in silent films. Wow. He did silent films and then movies like in the 30s and 40s. And then you remember, may have remembered or maybe like your parents may have seen his TV show from the 50s. Sure. I picture him batting his eyelashes a lot and making great expressions in those silent films. Okay. Uh, the third one is a dog named Strongheart. Oh, Never heard of Strongheart. I don't know what Strongheart is, but yeah. I love the name. He was another German Shepherd film star. He came onto the scene in a series of films in the 20s. Uh, the one that was he's most notable for was he was the uh, he played the title dog in the movie version of the classic novel White Fang from 1925. But he did like six or seven films. Wow, Strongheart. When so is those are the three dogs: Lassie, Rintintin, and Strongheart. And Lassie, the last one. How long ago was that? Oh, I have no idea when they got their stars. <laughs> you I, did not Google <laughs> as well. How much? There's a lot. There's a lot to Google. I better I also, get back in there. I All right. <laughs> thank you for thank you for. Uh, I'm heading back into the Google. Thanks, Mr. Googler. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Another cool website to check out, of course, is the Two Girls One Pup site. Two Girls One Pup Show dot com. We're on Facebook at Two Girls One Pup and on Twitter and Instagram at Two Girls One Pup Show. So follow us, tag us, talk about us, talk to us, send us pictures of your adorable, hilarious dogs because we love that stuff. And check us out to find out what our next coming show is. Thanks, guys. The Two Girls, One Pup Pupcast is produced by myself and Sammy Junio and is part of the Hello Lion Face Podcast Network. Additional contributions and Googling by Corey Rittmaster. Our theme music was created by Matthew Lauren Cohen. The Two Girls, One Pup logo was designed by Lindsay McRae, and the Pupcast logo was redesigned by Heather Hanford. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, share, review, shout it from the rooftops, howl at the moon, tell people about us. Thanks!
comment, sit. I said sit. Oh, don't embarrass me, dog.